Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. This episode, we've got thoughts on the new HBO Max mystery series, Mayor of Easttown, plus new seasons of Handmaid's Tale, Pose, and more episodes of Shadow and Bone. Hey, we're pacing ourselves, people! Okay, a plea as always to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts app, Podchaser, Podbean, Stitcher, Castbox, or wherever you can do such things. Uh, how you doing, Fanny? I'm doing okay. Yeah, I have no brain power, um, uh, as we will learn in what we did this week. <laughs> I have a job, and it hurts my brain, and it's been hot. But other than that, I'm just fine. Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well too. I don't know. I'm in a new like. Let's. How are we doing? Let's check in. Um, on the podcast for our listeners who were like, I don't care what you did this weekend. What did I do this weekend? I um, we went and got had drinks. We had a and watched Shadow really and nice time going to uh, this fun cocktail bar in a garden in Richmond and had delicious tacos. Oh, those tacos were good. Very good. Uh, Tijuana tacos apparently are a thing where they griddle cheese on top of your. Uh, Taco shell and yeah. wow, are they good? Um, uh, Tucan tacos. Shout out, no, <laughs> sponsor us, but not really. Um, <laughs> all just right. send us tacos. Just send us tacos. That'll work. Um, should we talk about our main topics? Uh, plural. Sure. All like right. our podcast for the week. Yeah, <laughs> since that's all we got. <laughs> we just got all the odds and ends here. You know, um, sounds good. Mayor, I keep saying mayor, mayor, mayor. This is a very thing of like my East Coast friends would be like. Mayor, mayor, and I'd be like, "Yeah, it's all mayor." <laughs> it's like a California thing, like mayor, like the horse. <laughs> yeah, I, it's mayor, ma- and I do think it's a play, but we'll get there. Um, in this HBO Max mystery, Kate Winslet plays Mayor, a Pennsylvania detective and formal high, former high school basketball star who's trying to solve the murder of a young girl. The town has a history of murder, and Mayor's got plenty of her own drama. Uh, in her past. All seven episodes of the show were directed by Craig Zobel, who most recently directed 2020's thriller The Hunt, which Fanny saw and liked, which we just was my last movie before the world shut down, actually. Always a fun uh, (laughs) little flashback there. Um, I've seen two. Did you see three? I saw three. Okay. I'm sorry. Does number three have Evan Peters in it? Yeah, I was there when it dropped. So, <laughs> so what are you what are you thinking about Mayor Mayor of Easttown? I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but maybe recap and any changing thoughts and recap. This is a moody British Icelandic um, mystery set in a small town, except it's American, um, <laughs> with mostly non-American actors. Yeah, sure, okay. I still I maintain that that's what it is. The performances are all very very good. I was very happy to have Evan Peters land, and um, you haven't seen three, so I'm not going to go into too many spoilers. But he has a couple of really good scenes in the third episode, and to have him all of a sudden look like a, an adult is real weird. Really weird. It keeps really um, throwing me and playing an adult. Yeah, too. no, he's doing a great. I mean, I'm proud of him. It's great. I'm. This is not a complaint. It's just so odd to be like uh, you turned around dropped 10 pounds and you're a grown-up i don't know what happened here right it's very thin too. yeah yeah it's very he's very gaunt in the face yeah. i think he's it's done on purpose i think for the role uh i think guy pierce is good in this his part uh expands in the third episode Jean smart and her um fruit ninja is brilliant parker at one point goes is she playing Fruit Ninja? Oh, that was so good. I think I shouted the exact same thing at the TV. <laughs> the joke continues. It's, okay. Yeah. It's, so it, I am really enjoying this. And as the, th- you know, I liked the first and the second. As the third dro- uh, dropped, it's getting, it's sucking me in even more. What did you think? Uh, you predicted that I would like this show. You said I would either love it or hate it. Um, and I have to say the first episode, I was I was like, oh, I like it fine. <laughs> and I'm not just being contrarian. I, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I, I do love 
I understand why you said that because it's very much in the pocket of almost being a character drama first and a mystery second. Right. Um, but the things that I didn't love about it that I'm gonna still just watch and sort of work on my feelings are it maybe it's just knowing Winslet and what a good actor she is, but it is a little like working class Pennsylvania drag. Yeah, I'm gonna do ugly so I get an award. Yeah, yeah. it's leaning on all, like I don't really by all of these performances is sort of natural. If I have to hear one more, oh, there's no vanity in this performance. Do you know how much vanity there is in the non-vanity performance? Yeah. Nobody, nobody's done a no-vanity performance since Charlie's Theron and Monster. And, Sorry. And yet she's good. It's no, not she's like I'm fine. knocking it, but it's like the thing that we like so much, the thing that I like so much about MILF, um, Smilf? Smilf. 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 Yeah. Wow, I already called it MILF. Um, was that we didn't know that actor. So it was very raw and felt super, you just like bought into that story. Whereas this, well, she's and she didn't so ugly herself up yeah, either. I mean, yeah. she still wore That's, makeup and I, I mean, she was that part of it is not a big an issue to me. It's just sort of like knowing how far away Kate Winslet is from a small Absolutely. town Pennsylvania person. Absolutely. But yeah. my thing about this is the way they talk about there. Oh, there's no vanity. There's no, it's, I'm not, I, I guess I'm not following the media around it, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's anybody who takes these types of roles. It's Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah. It's it's the, you know, it's the old Tropic Thunder. Don't, you know, I'm not going to say it because I'm not going to say the words. But it's, you're going for an award, go as ugly and as raw as you can. Yeah. So that people know it's still you, but you're putting on... You know, look what I can do. Right. I don't have to be pretty, see? And it's a little irritating. I do like, back to things I like, that it is really built this um, tableau of characters in this small town. Very true. So much to the point that I'm like, and they all know each other and they're all up in each other's business and whatever. But to the point where I, it took me to the end of the second episode to be like, who is this other woman? Is this, oh, it's her friend from high school, I guess. Julianne Nichols. Who's great. Oh, God, I, I love like her. her so much. But man, it is, there are so many characters. I was like, is she related to her? But it gets at that incestuous town feeling of like, you don't quite get a grasp on like, who's related, who's right. like, just well, knows each other. Her husband is the cousin. The, the best friend's husband is the cousin of the dad of the dead girl. Right. Right. Okay, so that's part of the connection. That's why yeah. they went to her. Yeah, that's what, um, well, when, when Mare calls her and says, I need to talk to, I don't remember what his name is. Yeah. Because she wants, I, I, want, I need to go tell the dad that his daughter's dead, and I want his cousins to be with me. Okay. So she, yeah, it's a lot. It's like reading, um, you know, A Thousand Years of Solitude. Right. You're really like, <laughs> yeah. who knows who here? What's out? What's the connection? Um, but it's also sort of fun to figure out um, in a kind of low-key drama way. It's beautifully shot, um, you know, as we'll talk about later with Handmaid's Tale. The music choices are not obnoxious. Um, the mystery is like, it's sort of like weirdly, without giving too much away, it's like not very high stakes kind of mystery in the beginning. And then by the second episode, you're like, oh, is this going to get like dumb mystery? And I don't know. Well, where. I mean, somebody is Dead. Right. Somebody got murdered. Right. That's pretty high stakes for well, the person who got murdered. Not very. I, I guess what I'm saying is it's not very. There's not like a lot of like interesting follow the clues kind of stuff. Okay. It's more I, like I, the I, emotional impact of the right. murder. Um, but then the second episode, without giving a spoiler, throws a wrench at the end where you're like, oh, is this going to be like high stakes? Do you think that's, that's going to be anything or do you think it's not going to be anything? Uh, I think I think it'll be a, maybe an affair, and but not a murder. Okay. Um, it also took me a very long time to figure out how many um, wives and girlfriends the guy from The Office who plays... Um, <laughs> Mare's ex-wife. Yeah, ex Mare's ex-husband. I was like, wait, who's who now? What? <laughs> For a minute, I thought the, the kind of junkie woman was like another ex. And I was like, does he have two exes in the show? No, and I was that's, like, oh, that's the, the son's yeah, ex. Yeah, yeah, the dead son's ex. Yeah, I need a map. <laughs> the third the third episode's going to help you a lot. It's going to answer a few of your questions, and it's going to connect more dots on who is related to who. I'm get I'm getting there. I'm getting the general gist. So, yeah. um, in general, I really like this. Um, it's you know, there's nothing insulting about it, and it's nope. uh, uh, fun. I really do love Jean Smart. She's I mean, so great. Just anything she does. Um, all the acting is really good. 
Um, yeah, I'll keep watching it. It's nice to just have sort of a whatever kind of drama mystery doesn't insult my intelligence. It does not. No. Um, should we talk about Handmaid's Tale, fourth season? Yeah, I'm going to push myself back from my mic before we have this conversation because I know we haven't been trending toward the red, but we may get there. You, but do little, you want me to start? I can do the intro. We're okay. We're in the fourth season of The Handmaid's Tale. It's on Hulu. Uh, last this, one aired like a year and a half. Yeah, ago? the last one aired like a year and a half ago. I don't know much. What else to say? It's based on the Margaret Atwood novel. If you, it's back. And let's see, we ended last season with um, Elizabeth Moss's character, uh, June, not going to Canada again. And, uh, and the, her colonel and his wife, basically her captors, being arrested in Canada, trying to get the baby back. And what we thought was going to be the brink of the fall of Gilead and the Civil War and that opens into season four. So, yeah, that's where we are. And so we've seen three episodes of the new season. That is correct. Um, I feel like it's okay to, to go into spoilers because, <laughs> spoilers about how we thought about this, there are no spoilers because there's just nothing interesting happening in this and season. And it's the same It's the same shit thing over and over again. Over and over and over yeah. again. Elizabeth Moss glares into the into the camera in a smug way. Then she gets tortured. Then she looks at the torturers and says, fuck you. And then some really on-the-nose, irritating pop song plays. And then we go to Canada where we don't give a shit about Luke's feelings. Then we go back and we repeat the same shit over and over again. Is that it? <laughs> I mean, that's the general concept. Do we want to get into more of my feelings about how much I hate the show? Or did you want to say something? Um, I So I, I've been sort of patiently rolling with the kind of like, okay, just dystopias are repetitive and horrible. I got it. I'm going to give it a little benefit of the doubt beyond where I think a lot of people gave it a benefit of the doubt. At this point, this is my breaking point of like, something really this is like we'll talk about it in a minute with pose like this should have been the last season this should have been about her in canada deal like an epilogue dealing with yeah. the bringing down gilead yep. filling out how to work gilead from the outside it, this torturous like r- you know repetitive just again and again captured again escapes again kept, like people helping and dad dad's her. gonna kill her again yeah and dad who's such an amazing actor having to just play the same beat over and her. over again yeah um it is it is truly tiring at this point and um i'm kind of done with it i mean i might just check in with you i might just watch it i don't know because i kind of do want to like see where the story ends because you know it's a testament to what the show had in its beginnings and what it was doing right um but it is truly tedious is the word i think at this point um that's kind of my feelings tedious and gross yeah yeah I, I don't care about Bradley Whitford. I didn't even that's not even in my ranty notes, but it's also get rid of him. I don't give a shit about him. Get him off my screen. Well, I know that none of some the writing people like feels him. consistent. It feels like they're mm. bad one week and then they're good the next week and it, there's no the arcs aren't there in the writing. Here are my basic notes. We've done the escape and torture. This is lazy storytelling. It's just reveling in the pain. We are all McKenna Grace. I'm happy for McKenna Grace. She's graduated into being her own grown-up version of herself instead of having to play the grown the kid version of Which like one is she? She's the, the sadistic new, okay. new one, but right. she, McKenna Grace has played the younger version of uh, Kierna Ship uh, Shipka who is plays Sabrina. She played the young version of Itania. She's she ah. is the younger blonde girl in everything. That's fine. And now she gets to be Face the older blind. version of her I own no self. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yes, I agree with you. Let's kill all the men and I and I understand her pushing at at June and I liked that scene until we had to watch her sadistically kill someone while listening to the bad cover version of Natural <laughs> Woman. Did you get that Natural Woman cuz she's being a woman and coming back and killing man? Mm-hmm. I yeah, Luke or even Moria, Moria, I, I 
just do not care about your man pain. Green persimmon, the minute they said, here, my grandmother buried a green persimmon for luck. I'm like, the scene where he and the baby bury the persimmon is going to ignite a flame of fury in my guts like no one has ever seen. And yet the, the fury of fire was even bigger than I thought. Stop complaining that you have to take care of this child that your wife literally risked her life to get to you. You don't get to be mad on screen. I don't care. She's being tortured. And we so are we, because we have to look at it. I don't want to listen to you talk about how it's hard for you in Canada where you're having a vigil for vigil for her and you have free fucking health care. I don't care. It's gross. Anyway. So also, they luxuriate again. We're going back to the torture. They luxuriate in that. Um, it's gross to stop to keep showing it to us. Also, the music. Stop it! Stop it! Suffragette City. Oh, I don't know what that means. What are you talking about in the brothel? <laughs> oh, was it the wham bam? Thank you, ma'am. No, it's the whole suffragette thing. <laughs> Say a little prayer. Shut up. Natural woman. I already touched. I already touched on heaven is a place on earth. Mm-hmm. Bad song to begin with. Super fuck you. The street spirit, while they're all going down to get hit by the train, if they were smart on the, the cartoonish scene on the, the, the roof in the rain, yeah. high mom and pending doom, they would have pushed the girl who didn't yell, don't tell them anything off, because that would have been... Right, or had her have to push somebody out. Yes. There were just so many. And then it says, this is so fucking horrible. I really hope it brings an end to the Elizabeth Moss worship for a while. Make her earn it back. The smug looks to the camera aren't fooling anyone, aren't enough anymore. You have to stop writing on the love everyone had for Peggy Olsen now, and I am unimpressed with your directing skills. And scene, also stop being a Scientologist. I don't like the Scientology. I don't like the show. I will say, I still think she... It's doing committed work. That's my take. Um, I can be committed to being terrible over and over again. It's not hard to act upset when somebody's torturing you. This is bullshit. And the fact that she's adding to it. I would be. She's not worth it. Why? She's good. She's not good. Um, She's doing the same thing over and over again. If anybody else was doing the same thing over and over again, you would call her on it. She's she's not doing anything different. Carving out new areas of pain. Whether that's something that. We need to watch. No, she's not. Um, She's making the same spaces. She's doing the same scenes. If you went back and watched any other scene in this, I I think you're dead wrong. If you went to any other scene in this show early on, she's doing the same thing. She valiantly endures torture. She looks in the face of her torturers and is defiant. And then a kitschy fucking song plays. It's the same thing for four fucking seasons. And she's just writing on the fact that everybody liked Peggy Olsen and Peggy Olsen was handing to her was handed to her on a silver platter well then you're writing on her her reputation for for Peggy Olsen there are nuances there's nothing special in her performance I totally agree nuances I still think the show's terrible I think she's terrible for being a Scientologist I actually think it's a good performance absolutely disagree disagree. um, (laughs) also the ending of this sees uh this most recent episode where the boyfriend guy um so uh, can we just talk about for a minute how everybody's dropped her off lydia's in the van where they're all gonna go and he's like making out with her on the bridge what do you mean he's making out with her she runs back to make out with him that is not on him again i mean that whole scene was very yeah the whole scene like stupid as hell unbelievably stupid um and the train i mean it's like but the tra- I will say the train did us a favor of like, wow, there's way too many handmaids that we know nothing about or care about because this story has been like so focused on like that. I was like, oh, good. We've cleared the table for all these handmaids. I don't even remember. Parker said, um, wait, who's that? And I said, well, they're in a red shirt. They did the work for us. Yeah, and was, then they died. It was eye patch or, you know, feisty. Eye patch has a name. <laughs> That is Janine, and she has been with us since the very beginning, I, and she's actually I think has a developed character. A problem with the show, though, is what kind of what I'm getting to here, where it's like, I don't, it's not, and maybe this is some of your your reaction against Moss, is like, it's so focused on her. Yeah, if you're going to give Moss credit, you've got to give the girl that's playing Janine credit, No, too. I think she's good, All but right. I, I think the script has done a disservice. All right. 
Um, I think the script is focused so singularly on June, and there's not... You can't build a story out of that. And then Serena, who also loved that actor. I think a lot of the actors in this are so good. Stravosky? Something like that. so inconsistent. And as somebody who, you know, liked Battlestar Galactica and made you watch Battlestar Galactica, it has some of the same problems. This is kind of like... Great setup, great sort of truly dour dystopian environment, and and nowhere to go with it. Just this, like it's all just sad, depressing on ramp. <laughs> right. Um. Ah. Uh, anyways, all right. I don't know if I'll continue, but I certainly won't talk about it for a while. I won't talk about it for a while, as I have told Justin. I will fill him in on what happens because this show makes me so angry that I am going to stick with it and scream at it and hate watch it until the very fucking end. <laughs> and I'm very sorry, Margaret Atwood, that this is what has happened to your legacy. All right, on to a lighter note. Yes, um, <laughs> Shadow and Bone. Uh, Fanny talked about it. Briefly last week, um, had I watched any of it last week? I can't remember. No, no, um, the last time we talked, it wasn't last week. You last, watched a little bit right. after we talked about it. Okay. Um, so this is Lee Bargados. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, I'm getting it right. Um, who's Israeli? I guess I didn't realize that. She's, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is, you know, Fanny talked about it a bit last episode so go back and listen to that um but this is a very successful beloved uh ya series uh two series um yep there's yeah, three, three in three the series, grisha right? world but it right. does not incorporate the third yeah and this is sort of a um you know it's on netflix this is uh blending we talked about this i, th- I swear we talked about this it's blending to um, kind of of those series yeah you asked some questions right. and i talked about the separate right. timelines and right so now I am three episodes in? Four? Yes, three. Um, and, yes, three episodes in. And I am reading it as I, as I watch. Um, and so we're, we're sort of resolving to watch and read and continue to talk. Um, I don't know. Where, where do you want to start this? <laughs> well, I mean, you've gone through episode three, which means you've met Milo <laughs> the goat, greatest of all time. <laughs> See, that's a pun, because Milo's a goat. <laughs> 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 I'm super hilarious. He's not in the series of books, so if you haven't watched the show, you should go find out about Milo the Goat. If you get to Milo and the Goat and you don't fall in love, you're dead inside. (laughs) Um, You may be a monster. You talk to me because I've already seen this and we've talked about it, and you tell me what you think. I can't remember what we've talked about off mic and what we've talked about on mic, but I mostly maintain, here's my bottom line, I am enjoying watching it with you because it's fun and it's silly and there's like distraction. It would be a hard show for me to watch on my own. I just don't think I would pay attention to it. I am enjoying reading it because I feel like this kind of story, I just am wired where I like, I want to read it rather than you, watch it. That's the way you get, you get more involved that way. Yeah. It's interesting. I am watching this with two separate people, with two separate I won't say groups because you and I, I guess you and I are a group, but I am also watching this with my Mitch and my Layla, and uh, we watch on a projector. Yeah, and in a dark room, and we don't have our phones or our screens or anything. Yeah, and they are wired for this type of show anyway, both of them, and the things that they are instantly picking up, and that there there's a scene where the conductor very early on, when he says, "I'll need a goat." He does a, a a look at Jesper that both of them picked up on, and I hadn't picked up on when I'd watched it the first time. Um, now, are they readers of it? Or no? no, okay, no, and and they ask a lot fewer questions than you, but they're just more into just kind of letting it ride. They're yeah. not much as, as literal as you and I are. Yeah. Um, and then with you, you're like. You crack me up because you're like, okay, so Kirsch, where is that? What is it supposed to be? And where? And I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm not a geography person anyway, but I read a book. It tells me where the characters are. I don't give a shit what that means in relation to where Ravka or West Ravka. I know there is West Ravka. I know there's where, I know Kellish means they're speaking Irish. I don't give a shit else about where, and you're like, I need to know where Kirsch is, what those people mean, what they look like, and where they are in relation to Ravka. And where's Bjorden? And I'm like, I don't fucking know what you're talking 
Yeah, just it is okay. It's where they are. It is so how yeah how wired. I, I need yeah. like maps. It cracks maps. me and, up. And looking at maps helped me immensely. Well, already. they sent you a map, and you're yeah. still going. Now where's Kirsch? And I'm like, did you look at the map? And you said, I don't check my email anymore. <laughs> and I said, bring me another bee's knees. <laughs> That's what happened this I, weekend. I am enjoying watching with you. I think my complaints about the show are a couple things. Um, that I find the acting pretty bland and pretty uninteresting. Anyway, Except for like Jesper. CWE, like, like yeah, sci-fi <laughs> network. Um, That's a fair. Um, they're fine. Nobody's yeah, terrible. They're caricatures, yeah, they're caricatures. And I find that fun. But. And then and I think reading these kind of books, you like it's so vague, but you're just reading, so you fill in the blanks yourself. Where in the show, it's doing a lot of that work for you, right. and you're like, "Oh, this is like the least interesting choice I could have made." With and this. because <laughs> I know the characters, and particularly because the heist is the one that I care about more, yeah. and those are the more fun in scare right. quotes. You know, they're the less fairy tale characters; they're the more you know grungy. Right. I'm just putting what I love about those characters into those performances. And right. I do think that those performances are more dynamic. I do yeah. think, if only because they get to have, you know, the bowler hats tipped at, a, you know, a, a jaunty <laughs> angle. <laughs> and a guy with a cane carrying a goat. Come on, that's gold. It reminds me a little bit of the Nevers. And I, we talked about this, I talked about this a few weeks ago. And I was like, yeah, kind of fun, not bad, whatever. And I just never went back to it. And I don't think I will. I mean, that also had the Whedon thing working against mm-hmm. it. But um, yeah, there's something about the show that just sort of, yeah, it fills in the wrong blanks for me. Um, but I will keep watching and it's fun to watch with you. And now my question is, should I read further? Yes. I, I'm now starting to think I should read ahead. Yeah. And then watch the show. Totally. So that's my other thing about I mean, the show. I would not... I want to watch more this week, so don't wait to watch the show until you've read more ahead, but do keep reading. Yeah. No, I'll definitely... I'm going to read the book. It's fun. Yeah. But I'm trying to decide how to, like, pace myself. Don't worry it. about it. Just yeah. read and watch. They're different enough, and yeah. what they add and take away is different enough that you'll be fine either way. There have been lots and lots and lots of online conversations on podcasts and articles about... Sort of the racial, I mean, this is part of the reason I ask about the maps and the whatever, is like the racial connotations of Shu and the fact that the main character, um, I'm forgetting her name, Alina, Alina. I remembered, um, she Darkoff. is half Shu in the show, but not in the book. Um, and that was a choice that Bargado made when she, when she started consulting with the people who, when they bought it. And yeah. to me, I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, this is one of the better things about the show that I like. I know a lot of um, sort of Asian viewers, I think especially, have felt that the show is sort of bringing up issues of sort of biracial identity, and but kind of as window dressing and not really diving into it because the template of the books didn't really dive into right. it. So it's a weird. I, I've just been thinking about it because I sort of was like, oh, there's something interesting in this that I'm latching onto, but at the same time, I, people are feeling like it's not going far enough or really dealing with it. Um, but I also am like. Why, like, why are they at war? Like, I know we'll get further into that, but it's sort of like often wars, you know, obviously about money, but it's also about otherness. And so there's lots of stuff that I'm, I'm curious to see where it lands. But I'll put it there. And I want more monsters. I will also say <laughs> that some of the why are they at war stuff in the show is different than the why are they at war stuff in the books. Interesting. There's a whole... I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. There's a whole different, yeah. We'll talk about it when okay. you've watched a few watch more. <laughs> also, I will say, I mentioned this to you, and you keep telling me I'm crazy, but I've heard it now on two podcasts. Okay. People were like, I can't tell which place is which because they look exactly the same. And I'm like, thank you. Um, but they are the same country, so they would look the same. Yeah. Although, how long does it take to cross the fold? Here's a question. It depends on how willing you are to get eaten by Volcra. <laughs> I mean, not very long. At a brisk jaunt, I a mean, monster-terrified jaunt. You saw them do that in the the, fa- the, in, in the train the train when they go over. So 20 minutes, 30 minutes? We didn't get a sense of how long they were there. It's not, I mean, there's, there's 38 markers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, which we know okay, because fine. on the the first time they get on this the skiff that the fabricators yeah. made, they they pass the second marker and uh, the the woman who 
shortly gets eaten by the Volcra says that's marker number one ah. or two. And then they say, well, how many are there? And she 38. says 37. 37. And they've just okay. pressed one. So there's 38 markers. How far away those markers are from each other is not known. But I don't think that we were supposed to think that it was much longer than the scene where they're okay. burning so the, the 16 w- pounds of alabaster coal. Wouldn't look that different. And I guess maybe that's no, they would not. kind of the point. Yes. <laughs> um, here goes. This is all just like my logistical. Yeah. Like Where's Kirsch? <laughs> Working overtime. <laughs> All right. Um, Am I getting you a T-shirt that says "Where's Kirsch"? And yes, I've met the goat. Yes, I've met Milo. Where's Kirsch? Milo's. The- yes. <laughs> I may or may not have. Um, okay. Spoilers for Shadow and Bone. If you have not watched episode three, the best line in the whole thing is about to be spoiled. So tune out. Give me twenty seconds. I may or may not have a sticker coming that says. Hug the goat. Sit down. Hug the goat and shut the hell up. Awesome. See show merch. Yes. Show merch. Yep. Um, all right. Should we talk pose? Yeah. Let's talk pose. Pose season three has dropped again. It has been a while. This is on FX. Um, this is the final season of Pose, a show that we have both adored. Adored. Um, you know, had our like quibbles about. Um, this is the final season. Uh, I think. I was always a little like, where are they going to go with this story? Because it's like the ball culture was such a thing in specific time. And it, yeah, anyways, we're getting, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, the new season is basically set in 1994. There are references to the OJ trial. Um, the music is very much 1984. Um, but at least nobody's being tortured under nobody's it. Nobody's being tortured. <laughs> uh, I've seen the first. Two, two You've seen two. I've yeah. seen one. Well, all but like ten minutes of yeah. one. So what did, what did you think of the first episode? I feel bad. <laughs> it's okay. You can... I feel bad because I still love all of these actors, and I still love what this show is trying to do. I think this episode lost me at the food fight. Oh, the food fight! It so was bad. like worse than the mopping of the museum in the in the first episode. I think they were the trying to show ever. call back to that. But I think they were it, too it was terrible in the same way. Yeah, so successful. Yeah, it's successful. Back. You made me not be involved in this episode. Yeah, I didn't. And I know you've told me that there are reasons for it. I didn't like that. You know, I I, I at least up to the last ten minutes don't think I saw Damon. Um, again, I still love all of these actors. I will watch this show because I care about it and I will hope for it. And hopefully the overall picture of all three seasons will end up being worth it. Cause there were things I really didn't like in each season of this show. And I still ended up loving this show, but I'm not sold. Yeah. You, I agree. I just was, you know, it's. I, I think I said to Dave, we watched the first episode, and I said, there's never been a show in the history of television that's so made me be like, oh my God, this is terrible. And then I'm suddenly crying. Right. <laughs> like, even in the first episode, <laughs> yep. I think I teared up at one point. Yep. It just, it's shameless. It's melodrama. It's Ryan Murphy. Yeah. And yet, <laughs> at, at its most revolutionary and its most honest, it's like really profound and wonderful Absolutely. and it, even in its worst episodes i think it still gets at that I, the other nice thing i'll say is i think all the actors are really settling into the roles much better compared to the first season i really was not bothered by any of our main lead actors. not even electra no she's totally getting like she's i think you're camp. just getting used to her i think she's getting more natural and getting more nuance of like sometimes she's real and sometimes she's Sort of camp Electra and kind of tying the thread between those a little more. Um, I think Angel, they're, she's not just pouting anymore. I mean, that's what crack right. will do for you. Um, uh, crack, it's not just for pouting anymore. Yeah, exactly. Pray, uh, Billy Porter's kind of descent into alcoholism, which is pretty framed in the first episodes. It's not much of a spoiler. It, it's a little scenery chewy. Um, and yet he can still just pull it out and make you cry in the smallest little moments and interactions. Yeah. Um, I really continue to love uh, Blanca. Um, I'm forgetting the actor's name. MJ Rodriguez. Yeah, MJ Rodriguez. Uh, I think she's gotten better and better as the show has gone great. on. Um, 
uh, adorable um, Poppy being a Love Poppy, but suddenly like a weird like New Jack Swing music producer in a weird suit. I don't know what's happening there. That's a little weird. Um, He's an Kind of a talent scout agent, talent isn't scout. he? Supposed to be? Yeah. yeah. It just feels a little like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm down for Poppy, no matter what he Poppy's does. Poppy's adorable. Here's my question. So it's funny. The first episode, I was like, "What is the state of the ball scene?" And so I moved to New York in '93. So this is set a year after I moved to New York. Clearly, I was a stupid white boy who didn't really know much about the balls beyond Paris is burning, anyways, um, and probably did not go to Harlem the first like several years I lived in New York. Um, but is was your sense in that first ball scene? It was in like almost kind of a small brick lined room with the lights turned up too high. Yeah. It was like and much fewer people. I was like, oh, is this? I think that's a comment on the ball scene sort of right. shrinking. And I think that's supposed to be just, the point. That's why they're offering cash for prizes. They're yeah. trying to get people in. I think that was on purpose. Okay. Yes. And it wasn't just like a COVID thing or no. something. Okay. No, I think it was on purpose. Okay. Cause I, yeah, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like how does a scene, how does a very robust kind of scene shrivel or fade right. or, and how does that, what does that look like? And I think the sh- season is grappling with that after yeah. watching the second episode. And that's super interesting. So I hope they, pursue that i mean okay so talk about uh, here this is where i will tie it back into handmaid's tale the sort of unending aids suffering and death and um it, 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 it's a little more justified here because that's what people in the early 90s who were survivors of of aids in that world were dealing with constantly right and there's no way to pretend that didn't happen or sugarcoat right. it um, and I do like that it's sort of taking, taking a look at the toll that's taking on those characters, like Prey, just sort of being like, Fuck it, I'm going to drink. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to watch. It's just like an ending. Like, it's just- yeah, and, you know, I, we've had this conversation before, and again, the tale is what the tale is, and the history is what it is, and people have the right to be justifiably super angry and to have it still be need to be talked about just like the Tuskegee Airmen and all of this stuff this is all real but so often much like Lovecraft Country and needing to see scenes of joy there is so much of this being the only tale you get in the gay world and in the gay storytelling and specifically in yeah and specific exactly and so it's having to endure it over and over again and knowing the beats are coming this is like watching anything that takes place shortly before 9-11 and you just know it's coming and and what beat you, you can almost tick them off and it is hard to keep doing it yeah it doesn't take anything away from the real for me it doesn't take anything away from the realness of that time mainly because i was aware of it but to not keep doing only the pain over and over and over again you know what i mean there's you know i I know we were young, but we were there, and it wasn't the only part of our life. Right. I was certainly aware of it. I certainly had friends and family affected by it. I was certainly afraid and sad and experienced it. But that wasn't the only thing that was happening, and we don't have to just plod along in that funeral song of this tale over and over and over again. (laughs) I do have a hunch... That the second episode especially is about sort of moving on from that. Okay. And that, I hope so. And that I'm hoping the rest of this season is going to be about, well, I, I, I absolutely think um, Blanca is going to become a trans activist. Like, I really hope oh, yeah. that's where they're I think so, building sure. to this. Yeah. Um, but there's some really, there's some good stuff. The second episode is better than the first. There's oh, some that's more nice to know. There's nuance. no more food fights? No more food fights. Um, it gets into Blanca's uh, love life a little more. Nice. Um, you know, God, I miss Candy. I know. <laughs> Candy, it's like, once they lost her, the Who show thought was that really was a like, good idea? Yeah, that's a Ryan Murphy thing, right? Yeah. Like, kill my most interesting actor just for dramatic stakes. And so I can put her on American Horror Story. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'll keep, I mean, this is a show I'll keep yeah, watching. no, for and sure. unlike Handmaid's Tale, it's smart enough to know that it's, like, time to end it. It's like, yeah. third season, we're going to wrap this up. It's the we end of it. We don't have any yeah. more. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's created such a great launching pad for all these 
cool actors. Absolutely. And, um, I also still love the balls. I love it. hearing the ball reviews. It's yes. just like, I live for that. It's <laughs> no, it's like, great. And it's, it's a soundtrack in my head all the time at work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> six, six, six across the board. That's what I'm going to respond to people in emails. Um, all right. We did what you saw there. I will go quick because I got a bunch of things. Um, I watched Mitchell's, the Mitchell, the Mitchell's versus the machines. Mitchell's versus the machines. There's some those in there. I'm not sure where they go. The machines versus the Mitchell's. <laughs> the v- machines versus Mitchell's. Anyway, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. This is a Sony animated movie from the same creative team that brought us into the Spider-Verse, a movie which we both loved. Um this movie is not as good as that movie, um, but it is goddamn delightful. It started off, and I thought, oh, it's kind of a humdrum, like, making fun of big tech, like, whatever, in a very sort of well-trodden way. There's an artificial intelligence on a phone that sort of takes over machines, and there's a family that's basically battling um, you know, the machines in the post-apocalyptic world, but it's all very cuddly. There's an adorable dog that I think you would enjoy a lot. Um, the nicest thing about this, which I didn't totally see coming, was the main character is queer, coded through most of the movie, and I kind of had little rumblings. It's funny when you have those little rumblings of like, oh, is this a queer character? And there's not a, it's not a love story, so they must be a queer character, which tells you a lot right there. Um, but it was also refreshing not to deal with a love story in a movie like this. Um, and at the end, it sort of makes it canon, and it's done very sweetly. And she's the, the heroine of the film, and I just really, the hero of the film, and I liked that it um, did that. It's cool. That's, I mean, honestly, it's our first queer mainstream like animated movie hero that I can remember. I'd, I'd love to somebody tell me I'm wrong, um, but it is very cute. It's very, very frantic. It's sort of riffing a lot on TikTok, kind of kids making videos really quickly and rainbows pooping out of people's butts and like just sort of like hyper kid energy and creativity, <laughs> which nice. I was a little like, uh, I don't know what language you're speaking. It's too fast and too rainbowy and too fast. Like I don't know what's going on, um, but. I still enjoyed it. it and the movie the then stopped and laughed at you and said, look here, old guy. Oh, the movie, basically, I am the father in this movie. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Except he can actually make things as a carpenter. And that's, wow. Yeah, I don't have that. So I'm, I'm as useless as Gen Z person, but as crabby as the old man in the movie. So there you go. Uh, I watched, finally, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Um, it rhymes... They rhyme in this movie occasionally, just delightfully. For no reason, the dialogue just starts rhyming. Um, this is Kristen Wiig and her writing partner, whose name I'm forgetting, who she's worked with on a bunch of these movies. Uh, she's actually in this movie as Barb or Star. I can't remember which one. Um, this is so ridiculous. If you've seen Anchorman, um, this is definitely just like the co you know, the flip side of Anchorman. Uh, it was directed, uh, produced by a lot of the same people. We'll, we'll, that seals it for me. Uh, I hated Anchorman. Oh, Anchorman's delightful. Um, this is just sheer insanity. Stupid. There is a crab on a beach that has a conversation with Kristen Wiig's character. Um, its name is uh, Morgan Freemund and voiced by someone who sounds a lot like Morgan Freeman. And it's talking to her and gives her advice and then walks into the sea in a very dramatic. This is just, it's, sheer lunacy it's like muppets come to life uh the dude from um uh the 50 shades of gray movie jamie dornan adorable and really he's funny. always adorable um I, this is my he's first time seeing him. um i really enjoyed him and he's funny um this movie is it's there's musical numbers out of nowhere there's um you know uh what's her name um reba mcintyre as a mermaid uh, <laughs> saving the day it's like fantastic. Um, Kristen Wiig plays kind of an Austin Powersy sort of villain, and I of course didn't recognize her for the first half. And Dave's like, "No, that's Kristen Wiig, right?" Also, <laughs> did, did not know that. Um, she's really good. There's that adorable kid from the preview who sings that Barbara Streisand song in the beginning of the bike. He's actually like a henchman. This movie is just just had my number, and I had such a good time with it. And if you like really stupid, really surreal comedy. Just go for it. Um, Sweet Tooth. This is a... The only reason I read this, it's a comic, 
uh, graphic novel is because Netflix dropped a preview for the show that's coming shortly. And there was a little kid in the preview with deer antlers looking adorable and running around, but he's got deer antlers coming out of his head. And it was like sweet tooth. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, oh, it's based on a graphic novel. I'm downloading this immediately and stopping everything I'm doing. Um, Jeff Lemire is, I didn't know that much about him. He's a pretty respected sort of horror-ish, gothic-y kind of graphic novelist and a bunch the of things. The name is super familiar. Essex, Essex County country. There's a whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and this is really well done. Uh, I don't know how. They're going to have to really tame I Now that I've read it, I'm like, this Netflix adaptation is going to be terrible because the book is really brutally violent in sort of a Kirkman-level thing um i mean in, in moments um but it's it's pretty horrifying it's basically about kind of a post-apocalyptic post-virus world where these kids that are like half animal half human like hybrids start showing up but they're the only ones immune to this disease that's killing everybody else and so of course people are like trying to capture them and experiment, experiment. on them and um but it's beautifully i mean his drawings are so good they're just really stunning and the characters are compelling. And I finished the first volume and was horrified and had awful dreams and was like, I'm going to buy the next volume pretty was soon. Was Melissa McCarthy a, a clone? <laughs> I had a weird dream last night, you guys. <laughs> it was not quite the level of the dream you told me about, but um, almost that weird. Finally, I watched Drag Race Down Under. It's on the World of Wonder app. Um, there's a new season of Drag Race. Apparently, I'm going to pay whatever money I need to do to watch it. But I'm going to repeat the dumb Twitter joke here that um, I try not to usually just repeat my Twitter jokes, but I'm going to. Wait, how did they leave all the money on the table with the first episode and not call it G'day, gays? That's it. That's- I was going to wait to see how long it took you to laugh at your own joke. I enjoyed that. I mean, that is... Because it was called G'day, G'day, G'day. And it was like, G'day. Like, what? Rue? Like... Come on, wake up. Snap out of it, Rue. <laughs> Was that your best share, really? That's all you have for your snap out of it? Really? You need to watch Moonlight again. All right, all right. You tell me what you did, and I'll make it. Not fun Moonlight. Of your... Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. It's not Moonlight. Moonstruck. Moonstruck, yeah. I'm like, it's not Moonlight. <laughs> Can't remember what it is, but it's not Moonlight. Um, I finished Invincible. Um, I really liked it. Because, yeah, I know the animation's terrible. I don't give a shit. I liked all the voices. Um, It was cute. I will watch next. I mean, not cute, but it was good. I will watch next season. Did it it get gorier? Kind of just Just average gory. Just, yeah. It just, yeah. There's fights and people. I mean, the the scene. Okay. Spoilers for Invincible. If you have not read the comic or watched the show, you should probably tune out for the next 20 or 30 seconds. Um, One frozen frame, two frozen frames, three frozen frames. That's what the animation looks like. Okay, fine. Moving on. (laughs) Now you have to wait 30 seconds from now. Um, The scene where J.K. Simmons's Omni-Man beats the shit out of his own son. Yeah, there's some blood. and, And the Foley work was a little bit more intense than it had been in the rest of it, but... You know, I, yeah. I, it's frozen flame frame. How gross can it be? Yeah, it is you more know? frozen frame than I thought it would be. But, yeah, so it's just yeah. not that gross. Anyway, it's fine. I really enjoyed it. I loved uh, some of the performances, which is weird for me with voices usually. Does it have more than just nihilism working for it? Yes, of okay. course. Because, the I mean, Invincible wants, you know, he, he doesn't believe that his dad, what his dad thinks about the human race and that they're all worth saving and even though he's going to live longer than them, he still wants to be a good person and do the right thing. And okay. Yes, it absolutely does and okay. it still also has Walton Goggins and I love Walton Goggins <laughs> so much. Call me, Walton. Uh, you're married. Never mind. Don't call me. Uh, unless, you know, you guys have an arrangement and then we can talk. Uh, <laughs> So, moving on, I watched some Nicolas Cage movie. I don't remember what it was. Uh, I left early before it left because I was tired. Wow. My friends joked with me that it had turned into a musical and I missed out. I don't believe them. I really don't remember which one it was. I am trying and I cannot. It was supposed to be Kiss of Death. Kiss of Death does not stream anywhere, so we watched something else. You were at the point where you, how much of this movie did you see? Like 45 minutes, and, and it was like an hour and a half, right. and I kept... There's no way it turned into a musical. You think this is just... Oh, no, they were just fucking with me okay. because I left early. It absolutely okay. did not turn into a musical. <laughs> I he, mean, it's Nicolas Cage, so I wouldn't... He had a kid, but... I think. I don't... Wow. 
I they all run together. Anyway, I watched a Nicolas Cage movie. I think it was the forty sixth <laughs> out of the ones. I have not watched forty six because I got brought into this family like twenty movies into this, but they're all running together and. Anyway, uh, I am rereading Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom because uh, the of just the awesome of Jesper needs a daily dose, and I have to do something to entertain myself for the next at least a year until the second season drops. They haven't even renewed it yet, but I figure they will. They're not gonna like you know cancel it until after the third season to really piss me off because that's what Netflix does. Anyway, I love hard, you guys, so I get a little obsessive and uh, you need that's, a Jesper cut yeah. this season. Maybe you can edit. You can make your own Jesper cut. I can just watch the show again with you <laughs> and with... with yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so I'm re-watching it twice with two other people, so I'll be well-versed. All right. Don't ask me how many times I've watched Sons of Anarchy, okay? <laughs> I am not above knowing this show front to back before season two drops. That's that. Where can they tell us about what Nic- Nicolas Cage movie you watch with the kid that doesn't end in a musical? Because I, I bet they'll guess. I don't know if there was actually a kid and it doesn't end uh, in a musical. Like, I think right. he had a kid, but okay. I don't... Re- oh, I do remember because it was Lila Grant from Nashville and she gets killed. It's, oh, he's a dad who used oh, to so, be... This is a good Rage! Mystery. Rage! It's called uh, Rage! All right. Sorry, users. <laughs> I've ruined the mystery. Fanny's ruined the mystery. I got there. <laughs> if you, you hadn't asked questions, I wouldn't have gotten there. You can there. tell her what you thought of Rage. Because yes. I'm sure some of you have seen it. Yeah, and tell um, me what you thought of Kiss of Death because I paid $10 for a used DVD of this because they all wanted to see it. Because I think mainly because the internet told them they couldn't have it, so then they really wanted it. And isn't that Prime Cage? That's sort of like old. Yeah, it's cage, like 93, right? so, 94, yeah. just like Pose. Yeah. Um, you, if you want to tell me how awesome Jesper is and you want to hug a goat, you can do that on Facebook. Just search for At The Knicks Podcast. You can email us about how awesome Jesper is with his bowler hat and his guns and how much you love the goat. You can do that at motiontonicks at gmail.com. Tell us what t-shirts you want. We'll make them. We will make you t-shirts. You want a t-shirt? Just go ahead and tell us. You can do that on Twitter. You should just send the text that you want uh, at The Knicks Podcast. Plus your Venmo. Well, we'll figure yeah, out. we're going to charge you, but if you want a t-shirt, tell us what you want, yeah. and we'll tell you what it costs. Since they'll probably be print-on-demand, and we don't have a lot of you, it might be real expensive. Exactly. Anyway, uh, I'm at Fanny V. Darling on Twitter. And I'm at Justin Hartung making bad uh, Aussie drag race jokes. Real bad. Talk to you next week. Bye.